0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Agile Sustainability. Today, we're pleased to have Ramji on our podcast. Ramji is a business owner for a software consulting business practicing Agile in Singapore. He has recently delivered a software product on sustainability, and we would like to learn about his experiences and challenges. Hi, Ramji. It's a pleasure to have you on our podcast today.
1: Hi, Yifeng. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Before we dive into the questions, can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Uh, yes, uh, my name is Ramji and I am one of the principal partners of a company known as a better consultancy. And we um, are a small um, advisory and technology consultancy based in Singapore. Um, so that's um, uh, out in Southeast Asia for folks who are um, uh, elsewhere in the world. And we focus primarily on projects that are um, oriented towards small businesses uh, trying to figure out their place in the world these days. And a lot of that is projects that involve sustainability or being more sustainable as that's become both... Important from an investor and investor relations perspective, but also, um, I think just from a moral perspective has taken a significant front of center view of many of the folks who work and who are customers of these businesses.
0: That's awesome. I like the name of Better Consultancy. It has the goodwill baked right into the name.
1: <laughs> that's, 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 very good. I also figured that it was, um, you know, uh, as easy as ABC was where we were going with that. But that's, um, that's, well, thank you very much for those
0: Awesome. So I definitely understand the motivation to start a project on sustainability. But before this project, do you have any prior experience on the topic of sustainability?
1: Um, I'd say no more so than anybody who has um, uh, either run a business or has been in a, a large corporate environment for the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, plus also having uh, spent a fair amount of time in London and New York, where... Recycling and sustainability is perhaps a bit more visible. I don't want to say that it's it's done any better or worse than anywhere else. It probably probably isn't, in fairness, but it's certainly more visible uh, as a outside of work. So the way that you have to separate your rubbish, the way that you have to think about um, which goods, even as trivial as are taken away by um, the refuse services on what days. More importantly, perhaps, uh, where your energy comes from and how you can uh, elect to offset flights, those sorts of things. I mean, I think that's becoming more and more prevalent. So, But beyond that, certainly not. And certainly not some of the... Um, the things that you uh, asked about, which are the complexities of um, building products and uh, services related to sustainability and doing so in a way that doesn 't contradict if you will uh, a lot of the general practice the the wisdom if you were, like um, use the cloud or um, you know buy Bitcoin or things like that i mean these are um, uh, these are these are very important and meaningful technologies that we have these days, but they 're not necessarily. Uh, aligned to sustainable ones
0: so it sounds like you do pay attention to the sustainable experiences in daily life what were the challenges when you first started to do this project on sustainability
1: i'd say there's two key focus areas the first is um the business case for sustainability isn't as clear as uh, as we'd like it to be i think there's a a problem where um if you look at the business case for, well, just a business case for a given business. It provides a service. It does a certain thing. Uh, you are uh, using that service. The business case for Gmail. We all use it. It's there. Uh, all of our email runs on it. Um, the, uh, the fact that you have to, um, uh, Quite happily subject yourself to, uh, reasonably intrusive email and algorithms and, um, uh, advertisements sort of in every single email you read. It's just given because the value proposition of, of Gmail is so high. But if you talk to a business owner, a small business owner, especially, and you say, I need you to, uh, think about carbon offsets or I need you to, um, uh, start measuring your, um, uh, your electricity usage and which of which which of it comes from renewable sources and which of it comes from non-renewable sources or i need you to think about your use of plastics it's quite reasonable for a business to say look i can barely manage to make ends meet especially in the middle of pandemic uh mm. let alone um uh, make ends meet and then pay my taxes and then on top of that to then add another administrative burden from that perspective e- even the um the most willing of us will find that difficult and i think that's the biggest challenge is that in other areas there have been um incentives or there are significant um uh, government aid of one sort or another or it's just a an overwhelmingly moral conversation first part that is the hardest problem of sustainability which is uh if you really care about it you're going to make your business arguably less competitive as a result um, and if you don't care about it, then what's going to make you? What's going to make this an imperative rather than an option? And I think that's sort of the, uh, the, the first way of looking at it. The, the second, and I think the, um, the significant part of my world is, so, what we do at ABC is that we have a bunch of super smart people and they um, will go and talk with our clients and figure out what they do and try and help them and give them advice and essentially convince them that they don't need to hire us and then if at the end of it at the end of the day people say no no we still need to hire you then we'll show up and we'll try and help you build the software and collaboration that you need for your business um but as we've been looking at the sustainability world there are no standards there just aren't there are no uh uh, normal accepted ways of doing anything if you want to understand what a meter is you can go and figure out what a meter is it's the distance the light travels in a certain period of time if you want to understand what time is there is an SI standard for time right if you want to understand you know weight there is an SI standard for weight if you want to understand whether energy is renewable or not all of a sudden you start running into um an objective subjective conversation of like well it's better than that but it's not as bad as that or mm. things along those lines and that leads to everybody doing everything themselves. And because everyone does everything themselves, you don't get to, um, use common frameworks and a lot of the heavy lifting in the world especially in the uh the last 15 years has been people being able to le- leverage common frameworks of everybody else whether it's uh you know i know your favorite spring boot or whether it's um you know uh, uh ui <laughs> frameworks or whatever it is it's relevant right it's sort of you know um uh e- even as simple as sort of there being good python libraries to do maths right mm. there just aren't for the sustainability world or if there are that you have the counter problem of there isn't one or two there are 50 and each of those 50 is incomplete and necessarily so because it's just focusing on a very small fragment of the world because coming back to the earlier problem there is no compelling business case for mm. somebody to release one and i think this is the the hardest bit so absolutely everybody who is going to do to look at sustainability as a as a technology problem um as we do will be looking at it from their own perspective and will struggle to share their findings in a way that is uh the way that we've grown up, an open source way, a collaborative way. Um And I think those two things kind of, for me, are uh they sit in the, the way we run our business, which is very much focused on the business problem itself, which is why is sustainability meaningful, but also the technology side of things, which is, well, okay, how do I not keep doing this? Or how do I stop making this bespoke suit that i have to come back to and personally tailor every time we return to a problem
0: i think that is a very extensive description on the challenge on sustainability at first because there's no clear standard and then everyone reinventing their own wheels to solve maybe the same problem and there's no clear framework on how they can leverage to reduce the kind of effort to make sustainability transition easier for everyone Mm. and Mm -hmm. with that being said software is a more like you define things in code, but the environment for sustainability is so volatile. How do you find an entry point to identify? Oh, these are the more common cases for all the uh, customers. Therefore, that's the entry point for my software.
1: So I think there's the 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 classical problem of product market fit, which people like to talk about, right? Um, which is well. You know, iterate and evolve your 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 product until it finds the right niche, and then once it's there, exploit that niche with maximum right. And I think that is a wonderful idea. Uh, in practice, when you come to sustainability, you already, as we said earlier, you're already basically tying one arm behind your back, right? Because you don't have the ability to quickly and dynamically change because you don't have these frameworks to rely on. You don't have all of these, you know, um, uh, uh, capabilities that mean you can throw away three months of work and it's only a few months of work to get back to where you were plus plus. Right? So... Work with whatever customer it is you're working with. So in our case, we've been very fortunate. We work with a customer that is in the uh, hospitality um, industry, and the hospitality industry, for a lot of reasons, um, not just um, not just again um, uh, retail customer facing, but corporate customer facing as well, uh, has a. Um, both a huge reporting burden, but also a huge uh, ecological footprint if you think about the amount of waste that's generated in a hotel in a given year, or the uh, number of towels that are washed, or and we've all I mean back when in the before times when we used to actually travel, um we've all been to hotels where you have the little card that says, If you want to keep your towels, please leave them on the the bed or in, so on the inside so over the shower arm rather than on the floor and we'll bla blah, blah, blah. and I think that those are um those themselves when you actually experience them are yeah okay how effective are they but when run across an entire hotel chain with you know 1200 1500 you know uh, uh sites all of a sudden you start running into a management and logistics problem so um we've been working with with this client who uh have been building a saas product as well as a consultancy business addressing how you track report and um essentially do some basic data analytics on that data and then provide reporting frameworks for other people to consume as well as downstream enriched data. And I think that the the biggest learning we can probably say from that project is sustainability isn't hard, as in people want to do it for good reasons, but they don't want to do it for economic reasons. And because they don't want to do it for economic reasons, there's no reason to do it efficiently. And because there's no reason to do it efficiently, you know, the guiding hand of capitalism can't step in and just make it worth people's while to do it. Instead, you have to rely on other motivations. You have to rely on people's desire to maintain their job. You have to rely on the fact that people uh, feel positively about the fact that a particular um, uh, piece of, you know, sustainability activity will positively impact their own personal environment or the personal environment of people they care about at home. None of these things are are, are to be... um Minimized, but they're significant in their own right. However, it's just a lot easier when, you know, when you're just going to go, well, this is the price of bread and people need bread to eat and people have money. Therefore, they'll pay X for bread and you can work it out like an economist. Um, it's much, much harder. And so I think, um, we've been fortunate. We've been led by our customers who are thought leaders in this area they have put a lot of um uh, time effort and credibility and have a great deal of credibility here so we spend a lot of time interviewing them interviewing their customers understanding what their needs are um trying to balance that against the the practicality we bring to it as software practitioners the sort of fleet and leasing and asset management problem that existed in IT and you know uh, infrastructure and in uh, um, industry in general since the 1970s the difference is is that just-in-time delivery transformed people's p their profit and loss margins. They made a significant difference to them. Uh, this only really uh, comes in as an expense line item because it's often preventing you from doing the most efficient thing uh, from a capitalist perspective. So being able to get good data about that is critical because by getting good data about it, you can genuinely show that, yes, you are right. Uh, we're not doing this thing. But one we're getting some form of, um, a consideration on the other side from our investors, from various other people. Our green ratings go up here or, you know, uh, the, um, uh, you from an environmental requirements perspective, you know, the, we get rebates from the government, which we can provably source, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and the second side of it is you can also have that conversation with your clients, with your, with your customers and your, your staff. And I think we get the message loud and clear again, which is that, um, the the key conflict as a practitioner is you might know the right way to build the software. Your customer probably doesn't know the right way to build the software, but understands their clients. Your clients only see the whole face they're at because you don't see the whole of their problem. And for them, yeah, the sustainability thing is in the best case, a positive overhead they have to deal with because they think well of it. And in the worst case, it's just administrative uh, because of the environment they're in. And so, That's where we think that UX becomes critically important and be able to provide people a pleasurable, meaningful experience, because it really helps with that thankless task.
0: It sounds like for the business, the entry point can be the most painful point that they have right now for sustainability, which for large companies can be reporting or to increase the transparency on what is the current status on their carbon footprint. And uh in terms of how to let the employees inside the business to start implementing sustainable solutions, then there are more thought that need to be put into it on how to motivate people to move more towards that direction. Which leads to my next question. Uh, how difficult was it to spread the domain knowledge of sustainability within the team?
1: We took a few approaches. Uh, not to say they're the best approaches, but they did okay. Okay. Um, the first was that whenever we had an opportunity to do interviews with uh, key stakeholders, we tried to video them, and then we tried to have people take notes. We had our folks in the UX team discuss and disseminate the outputs of their research, and then we tried to create as much of a feedback loop as possible between that and the, uh, the output and software, and then the response that comes back from the user testing associated with it. Uh The amount that our engineers and developers and product managers would have to learn in order to be able to meaningfully give somebody a planetary modeling experience would probably be you know um a little bit more complex is is my thought on it that being said um I think there is the the old sort of like focus on how the customer is going to be experiencing things and then try to get all of the folks that are involved in the project to see things from the eyes of the customers. Even if they're in the backend, sort of, even if they're sort of building out the, the cloud environment, and being able to draw a straight line that then relates what they're doing back to uh, the actual consumer experience will will help.
0: So it sounds like staying closer to the end users is the key. And also, you mentioned the domain knowledge from uh, your client. Uh, mm. Like, are there other help that you wish you had access to during the project, but it wasn't uh, presented back then?
1: There will always be a list of things that if I knew that at the beginning of the project, it would have made my life a lot easier. And so prior knowledge of that list would be considered cheating, I think, (laughs) or experience, depending how you look at it. So from a personal perspective, I think the main thing is to bridge the gap of knowledge between the actual people implementing things and the experts of the system, as it were. Because one of the things that doesn't get expressed a lot is that often the compromises that are implicit in the first time you build a system or a process to do something get magnified each time you rebuild a system to do something so i start off wanting to order a burger i create a form for ordering burgers i then build some software that's based on this form for ordering burgers i then build my next generation of software based on the last one and then the next one based on the last one and what actually happens is all of those enshrined behaviors this started with, with the fact that somebody said, "Look, I just don't have time to order all these burgers. Just fill out this form." Absent-mindedly, one afternoon, load for the form up. Now you have many, many, many enshrined bits of software based on that, and I think that's a common problem that everyone's experienced. And so, being able to go back to first principles to question things is something that we. We do, and that's one of the reasons why we, we focus on building things the way we do. We are a, I'd like to refer to as reassuringly expensive. We're not a, um, we're a quality shop, and that means that we will go back and we will look at the origins and the logic behind why something has been built a certain way in order to be able to then put the question back and say, should it still be built that way? Does that still make sense? Is that still truth? Uh, with a capital T. And if it's not truth, well, what is? And if we don't know, then what do we do about it? And I think that that can, in some cases, be, that can be difficult because often when you're dealing with sustainability problems, people don't know. Uh, they're just like, I have to do these things. I do these things and I'm a good boy. I meet my UN sustainability goals or I am, get my tax break or, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, I get my box tick. And even with the best will in the world, there's a trade off and a balance there of the commercial reality of doing things as projects versus the, um, the sort of academic desire to fully understand everything that we have in the team.
0: Awesome. It sounds like a fruitful experience for this project. I think before we end this interview today, one last question would be, do you have any advice that you want to give to other business practitioners if they want to start a project on sustainability?
1: Um, yes, if you go to www.abeterconsultancy.co, um, you can call us. Our rates are very reasonable. Uh, but, but but my uh, my my joke my 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 semi serious joke aside, um, I think the biggest thing I would say is that there is no hidden agenda here, right? The agenda is what things can you meaningfully do in order to put the brakes on the car that's about to run off the cliff. Like we're we're living in a world where we don't like to think about it, but pretty much, you know, there's not enough that's being done to genuinely stop the environmental cataclysm that's about to happen. In that old sort of 70s management saw, I guess 80s, Sandy Gove, right? It's a hyper-management, which is uh, if you can measure it, you can manage it. And so, so much about what you have to do is about making data visible and making it consumable to people who actually are in a position to make decisions and doing it in a way that also makes it palatable. And I think that's the um, that is the art here. And so, uh, the advice I would give is the advice I'd give to anyone actually about pretty much any subject, which is just keep going. Uh, <laughs> just be stubborn. Keep going. Push harder. The reality is that, um, there'll be lots of times where people will tell you that they don't think things should be done with quality and you should cut corners and you should hold your ground because, uh, it's too important to not do it any other way.
0: Mm, awesome. Uh, that's very good advice. Thanks, Ramji, for joining us today. And I think this will benefit our listeners a great deal. If you're interested in the questions we're planning to address, please visit our podcast homepage at www.agilesustainability.org. Let's collect more puzzle pieces on sustainability together. Subscribe and stay tuned.